Not many commercially successful authors write about details of the federal bureaucracy. They don't sell very well in bookstores and airports. But best-selling author Michael Lewis has done just that. His latest book, Fifth Risk, looks at vital federal missions few realize even exist and how they fared under the Trump administration. Michael Lewis joins me now. Mr. Lewis, good to have you on. Thanks for having me. So, what? first of all, what did you learn about the federal government coming from someone who doesn't ordinarily look at this kind of plumbing? Uh, what, what, uh, what did you find out that you might not have known before? Well, I tell you, the biggest thing I found out that led me to bother to write a book about it was the caliber of the people who were inside of it. I, I was just shocked. What led me into it in the first place was when I learned that the Trump administration had not shown up for the transition and that there were all these briefings that had been prepared over months by civil servants that just never got heard by the people who are supposed to be managing the administration. And I thought, well, what happens if I go get the briefings? And I thought that might be a magazine piece. But when I got into it, the most important thing I learned was the caliber of the people who were, who were there. I could not believe that there were just so many mission-driven, money-disinterested people left in the United States who had found their way into our government, mainly because they saw just how critical the functions were. The drama of their lives actually interested me. And I think that when you kind of present it to the reader in a certain way, it interests the reader, too. It's, it, it, is, it sounds like boring material, the federal government, but, but, but it really was anything but. It was, it, was, it was magnificent stuff. And one of the departments you focus on is energy, which few people actually understand the origins and the real missions of energy, which have a lot to do with nuclear power, not really so much with solar and gasoline and so forth. The energy department is, you know, like all these big departments, so they're, it's a welter of different things. But if you, if you wanted to properly title the energy department so that people had a better idea of what it did, you'd call it the Department of Nuclear Weapons. I mean, a huge part of the budget goes into testing, assembling, cleaning up after and tracking down loose nuclear materials around the world. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's like not something you would just be able to eliminate. But then on the side of it, you know, it does have this mission of securing the energy future of the country. And, and part of that, and this is, where, this is where I kind of, my eyes were opened, that just how much basic research and development the government is, it doesn't just do it, it's the only entity doing it. This kind of long-term investment in the energy future that takes place in the energy department in the form of loan programs and essentially a venture capital fund, doing things that industry just won't do. And without it, you don't, you don't get the solar power industry. And further to that, the kind of person who's there doing that kind of work are people who could be making lots of money doing it at Goldman Sachs. Yeah, there is an altruistic element to it. I mean, it's, it's a it's a it's a civic mind. It's so reassuring that it still exists because you look at our federal bureaucracy and it's been nothing but abused for forty years. One of the results of it is that people are too risk averse when they work there because they suffer downside, but they don't enjoy upside. But but having said that, it still has attracted people who are you know very high caliber people who are doing really serious, interesting things. And it is seriously alarming when an administration comes in and has no interest in any of it. By the way, who tipped you off that the the briefing papers were not being read? I think I know, but why don't you tell us? You know, it wasn't one person. It, I think what happened was, in the first place, I thought it was something in the newspaper about how he fired Chris Christie, who ran his transition team after the election. But I think what happened was, I, I wondered what would happen. I, I didn't think of Trump as much of a manager of anything. He really hasn't managed much in his life. I thought, what happens when he has to 
manage this operation. And I and I called someone who who'd come out of the energy department, and I didn't know what the energy department did. And that they said, you know, it's really interesting because we were managing the nuclear arsenal, and no one has shown up to learn about what we're doing. Uh, I think that's how it started. But then, you know, once you get into it and you're wandering around the government the way I wandered around the government, everybody's saying it. It's like we, we had the finger sandwiches out and the parking spaces set aside and the briefing books open, and we waited not just a day, not just a week, not just a month, but they never showed up. And it, it, that, that, for me, became a literary opportunity because I could go get the briefings. We're speaking with author Michael Lewis, and you also quote heavily from Max Steyer, head well, of Max the Partnership Steyer, for Public Service, who's a regular on this show. Well, that's interesting. Max Steyer is an American hero. And uh, if we all survive this episode in American history, Max Steyer will be partly responsible because he, he had this quixotic ambition as a young man to, well, it started as he was going to ha- figure out ways to attract smart young people to work in government service. He's doing it because he's passionate about the mission. And he, for me, was a jungle guide. Sure. Well, we won't let that go to Max's head. And uh, one of the <laughs> one of the uh, interesting, again, agencies not widely recognized by the public, although it is here in the D.C. area because uh, they have offices right in Silver Spring, Maryland, but that is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Inside the Department of Commerce. Correct. Uh, which I had only barely heard of. And inside the, the inside of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is the National Weather Service. And this is interesting to me. The Department of Commerce was interesting to me again because it's sort of misnamed. It should be I think it should be called the Department of Data. Because, yeah, they say so too. I think some of them because you know it's the census, it's the economic statistics, and all the weather and, weather and climate data is there. And it is a riveting opportunity right now in history for us to make better use of government data. And the Obama administration has taken some steps in this direction. But but the National Weather Service is a wonderful example of what happens when you do. I mean, your weather forecast is much, much better than it was 20 or 30 years ago because of the work they've done. And it is a genuine public good. Nobody, no one private company would put out weather buoys and satellites and radar, collect the, the billions of dollars of data that required to need to be collected if you're going to make good weather predictions and if you're going to improve the weather predictions. And that enterprise right now is under threat because Trump has appointed to run it the CEO of AccuWeather. The bright side of it all is you go into the National Weather Service and it's filled with these charming, passionate people who, you know, who, who when they were six years old, a tree fell on their house during a hurricane. And for the rest of their, from that moment on, they decided what they wanted to do with their lives is protect people from the weather. And, and really genuinely mission-driven people. And you'll thank God they're there. And let me ask you this. Were you able to reach anyone in the Trump administration? Did they have anything to say about whether they'd read all of these briefing papers or not? Because, as you point out, transition is a very crucial time between so changes. So the answer is yes um, and, the, and no. <laughs> so, so yes, I reached people in the Trump administration, and, and, and uh, the answer the answer I invariably got, mostly it was on background and off the record, was uh, it's shocking how little was done. Uh, I mean, there were responsible people there in the beginning who were shocked. Chris Christie, shocked that he built this pretty elaborate operation that Max Steyer will tell you was a really sound transition. People who really knew things were ready to go into the Department of Labor and the Department of Agriculture. And and Trump fired them the day after the election, the whole operation. Uh, so it, it's 
Trump administration who has stood up and said to me, Michael, you got it all wrong. We really were there, really trying to learn what was going on so we could run it well. Author Michael Lewis, hey, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. His latest book is The Fifth Risk. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to The Federal Drive at iTunes or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Celebrate this holiday season by sending money to your loved ones with Western Union. As a new customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee when you send money online. For fast and reliable money transfers, use Western Union. Visit westernunion.com or download our app today to get started and your first transfer fee is on us. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983 or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985. FX Gain Supply.